Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blutville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing with our study in the Gospel according to John. And we have begun a look at resurrection and post-resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the empty tomb. We are in chapter 20, ready to begin at verse 19 after some review. The order of Christ's appearances after his resurrection seems to follow this pattern. One to Mary Magdalene and to the other women. We find that in Matthew chapter 28, John chapter 20, verse 11 and following. Mark chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. Then to Peter, probably in the afternoon. That's in Luke 24, 1 Corinthians 15, 5. Then third, to the disciples on the Emmaus road toward evening. That's found in Luke 24 and Mark 16. Fourth, to the disciples except Thomas in the upper room. Luke 24 and John 20, verses 19 through 25. Fifth, to the disciples including Thomas on the next Sunday night. Mark 16, 14 and John 20, 26 through 29. The sixth appearance was to seven disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, John 21, verses 1 through 24. The seventh appearance to the apostles and more than nine, excuse me, more than 500 brethren. Uh, and um, to James, the Lord's half-brother, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 6 and 7. And then uh, last, to those who witnessed the ascension. That was in Matthew 28, Mark 16, and Luke 24, and uh, Acts 1. Uh, it's important for us to sort of get that in mind because, as I've told you and continue to tell you, John does not include each of these, nor do the other uh, synoptic gospels include each of these. That's why you read the four gospels independently and yet together to have some idea of the completeness of it. Um, also, it was interesting to note when we were there in uh, chapter 20, uh, in the first portion, uh, that the linen clothes were laid aside, not uh, taken. Uh, if the body had been stolen, you would expect the linen clothes to be gone. And also, when Mary... Um, held on to Christ, and uh, Jesus said to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Um, I've, I've always been concerned about that verse, because uh, the question is, why couldn't you touch him? Well, the the truth is, from at least from the, the way that I've been able to uh, do some study and to read a number of, of scholars. The uh, term touch me not 
would probably be more accurate to say, don't continue holding me. Uh, let me go. Um, don't cling to me. It, it's a restraining that's going on by Mary Magdalene, who's holding on to Christ, not wanting to let him go uh, because she has found him. And uh, so this, uh, if you if you see it in that light, it it does a little better service, I think, to understanding the scripture. Uh, don't cling to me. I'm not yet ascended to my father. Go to my brethren and tell them, and I'll be going to my father. I'll be ascending to my father. Um, as the resurrected Lord, it was not a uh, it was not a proper thing for her to be holding on to the resurrected Lord, the King of Kings, the King of Glory. Um, he's he's in a new position, if you will. Um, but anyway, that's um, that's where there's a supposed contradiction between Matthew uh, chapter uh, 28 and here in John. In fact, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, and as I say, I've always been concerned about these verses as well. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, and they came and held him by the feet. Well, some have considered that to be a contradiction. There are three different views, but uh, as I say, many scholars say it's, uh, you know, let me go, basically. Don't cling to me. But there are three views. One is that Jesus speaks to Mary as the high priest fulfilling the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16, and that makes sense. Having accomplished the sacrifice, he was on his way to present the sacred blood in heaven, and that between the meeting with Mary in the Garden of Meeting of Matthew 28, 9, uh, uh, he had so ascended and returned in a view um, uh, that gives harmony of types. Um, number two, that Mary Magdalene, knowing as yet only Christ after the flesh, 2 Corinthians five fifteen through 17 and having found her beloved, sought only to hold him. So while he, about to assume a new relation to his disciples in ascension, gently teaches Mary that now she must not seek to hold him to the earth, but rather become his messenger of the new joy. And that's the one that I was giving you for most of the scholars. And then number three, that he merely meant, do not detain me now. I am not yet ascended. You will see me again. Run rather to my brethren and that sort of thing. So uh, one way or the other, uh, there is um, there are at least three ways uh, of looking at that and not seeing a contradiction with the other Gospels. Um, but that is important that at least you take a look at it and you study that uh, for yourself. We're in verse 19 of uh, John chapter 20, the Gospel of John according uh, the Gospel according to John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. It's interesting to me that his first words were to calm their hearts. The first words, peace, peace be unto you. The first words were those of comfort. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now, here he is standing in the midst of them. They were there gathered in the upper room 
they were assembled and they had still their great fear. They were fearful of the Jewish leaders. And he came right into the middle of them. He just appeared. And that was the good reason to say peace unto you, I'm sure. He appeared unto them. He was right there in the midst. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. And they were glad to see the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now this was a Sunday evening. Um, the doors were shut. Jesus appeared in the resurrection body. From what we can see, uh, Christ could come through the walls, through the doors, any way he wanted to come. And this was resurrection day in the evening. He did not leave them without visiting with them quickly. And so they were anointed by the Holy Spirit before Acts 2. And this is the Holy Spirit coming to them before he permanently came to them in Acts 2, but he was given to them by Christ at this time to help them through this period until it was time for the Holy Spirit to be given to them on a permanent basis. Now, when we look at verse 23, we know that this Remitting, uh, remitting of sins or retaining of sins is a prerogative of God, and it's done by the action of the Holy Spirit, not by your action, not by my action. And that's what Christ is telling them, giving them the Holy Spirit for that specific purpose for them as they begin their effort of evangelism. Verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, or twin, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. What a way to talk about your faith. Hmm? But now Thomas was a realistic guy. There was no question about it. And he was certainly an earthy guy. He was the one that uh, had said, well, let's go with him and die with him. He's the one that had a uh, very interesting view of life. No question about it. But he was one that was just like the rest of them in that he didn't believe unless he was shown. Uh, so we don't, we don't need to think that they're uh, all that different than he was. But he was not there. After uh, eight days, verse 26, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas 
answered and said unto him, this was without thrusting his hand into his side or into the prints of the nails, he answered unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You are more blessed, you are more blessed, you are more uh, gifted than Thomas because you believe without having seen Christ. Think about that. You have a greater blessing than an apostle who served with the master. Give that some thought for a while. You and I have a greater blessing than Thomas the apostle. We believe, and yet we haven't seen. Someday, we will see. Someday, we will see the Lord. Someday, we, like Thomas, will say to him face to face, my Lord and my God. Verse 30, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Now think about it for a while. Not everything is given to you in this book. I didn't tell you everything, John says. But he says, what I did tell you is so that you would understand and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing on Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, that you might have life through his name. And what did Christ say? He came to bring us life, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he did for us. He wanted us to have life, that we might have life, and that we might have it more abundantly. The deity of Jesus Christ is given to us time and time and time and time again throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Messiah was expressly declared to be the Son of God in Psalm 2, to be God in Psalm 45, in Hebrews 1, in Psalm 110, Matthew 22, Acts 2, Hebrews 1, Psalm 110, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 7, Zechariah 6. Christ's virgin birth was foretold as the means through which God would be Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter 7, Matthew 1. The Messiah is expressly invested with the divine names found in Isaiah chapter 9. In a prophecy of his death, he is called Jehovah's fellow in Zechariah 13, 7. And we find that referenced in Matthew 26, 31. His eternal being is declared in Micah 5, 2. 
in John 7, 42, and in Matthew 2, 6. Christ himself affirmed his deity, the fact that he was God. He applied to himself the Jehovah name, I am. The pronoun he is not in the Greek, but the Jews correctly understood this to be our Lord's claim to full deity. You can find that throughout John. We've talked about it before. He claimed to be the Adonai of the Old Testament in Matthew 22 and Genesis 15 too. He asserted his identity with the Father in Matthew 28, Mark 14, and John 10. The Jews so understood him is shown by verses 31 and 32 of John 10, where they were wanting to kill him. He exercised the chief prerogative of God. We see that in Mark 2 and Luke 7. He asserted omnipresence in Matthew 18 and John 3, omniscience in John 11, when Jesus was 50 miles away, and that's also found in Mark 11. Omnipotence in Matthew 28, Luke 7, John 5. Mastery over nature and creative power in Luke 9, John, John 2, and John 10. And he received and approved human worship in Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 28, John 20 as well. And so we see that. And then the New Testament ascribes divine titles to Christ all throughout the Scripture. John 1, John 20, John Act, or Acts 20, I should say, Romans 1, Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 2, Hebrews 1, 1 John 5. The New Testament writers ascribe divine perfections and attributes to Christ throughout the scriptures. They ascribe divine works to Christ as well. They, uh, the New Testament teachers teach that supreme worship should be paid to Christ. The holiness and resurrection of Christ proves his deity according to John 8:46 and Romans 1:4. And so John writes and says, "But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name." That's the reason the book was written so that you might know Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, one more thing before we get into uh, chapter 21. Um, I want to just mention this, and we may go through this uh, again uh, when we study it. But in the Gospel of John... I just call your attention to this uh, to make a note. In the Gospel of John, 25 times, the expression that I've mentioned to you, verily, verily, truthfully, truthfully, amen and amen, it's mentioned in the King James, verily, verily. It's 25 times in the Gospel of John. 25 times. We don't see it that often anywhere else in Scripture where Christ speaks. But it is in John 25 times. And why is that? It was to introduce concepts that the person who was listening or the person who's reading them even in the Gospel of John might have difficulty believing 
And I'll talk about that expression when we get together, hopefully, next time. And we'll know more about the expression as well as about the inference of those who are hard when it comes to their understanding, difficult when it comes to their listening, and why Christ would preface his teaching with verily, verily, or truthfully, truthfully, or amen and amen, I'm telling you. And that will be part of what we look at as we get into John chapter 21. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumpville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.